Dr. Rachel Levine, remember this name. Dr. Rachel Levine was sworn in as the first female four-star admiral in the U.S. Public Health Service Commissioned Corps just this week. Now, lest you think that Dr. Rachel Levine is a female, you would be wrong. Dr. Rachel Levine was born a man. Dr. Rachel Levine is biologically male. Dr. Rachel Levine is transgender, identifies as a woman, but make no mistake, he is not. His DNA says that he is male. His biology says that he is male. His body says that he is male. Now, we've all heard of this idea of cultural appropriation, right? Where you have one culture that invents something, a tradition, um, and another, if, if anybody outside of that culture takes part in that particular tradition, they are now accused by the left, accused by wokesters of appropriating the uh, first person's culture. The best example of this is when Kim Kardashian wore, wore cornrows in her hair. Do you remember this? And who cares, right? It's a fashion statement. And no one should care about it, to be honest. But the left said that she was culturally appropriating the black community because apparently the woke left thinks the black community uh, has a monopoly on cornrows in their hair. So that's an example of what cultural appropriation is. But what Dr. Rachel Levine is doing and what the mainstream media and the left are doing by lauding this person as the first female four-star admiral in U.S. Public Health Service Commission Corps is gender appropriation. They are telling little girls that it doesn't matter what your gender is. It doesn't matter what your biology is. It doesn't matter how hard you work because a man, any man who says that they identify as a woman can come and take your achievement away from you. That's it. All you have to do is say you're a woman and you've taken away that achievement from a girl. How have we let our nation get to this point? How have we let the left co-op the narrative, the public school system, pop culture, Hollywood, everything to the point that a literal man can call himself a woman and we let that happen and we laud this person as the first woman to achieve anything? It's awful. Dr. Rachel Levine is someone that regardless of what side of the aisle you're on, you should reject. You should reject Dr. Rachel Levine because he is terrible at his job. When he was in charge of COVID response in the state of Pennsylvania, he first took his own mother out of a nursing home before forcing nursing homes to accept COVID positive patients, which led to the death of elderly people in Pennsylvania. Dr. Rachel Levine is awful at his job. Awful at his job. He's a pediatrician who, as a mother, I would not let my daughter anywhere near this man. Not because, not because he's transgender, but because he doesn't think parents should have a right to take part in the medical decision of their children if their ch children suffer from gender dysphoria. We're talking about puberty-blocking medication. We're talking about gender-affirming therapy. And Dr. Rachel Levine doesn't think parents should be able to decide whether their child undergoes that kind of radical, experimental, anti-science, unscientific treatment. That's that's more important even than the transgender issue or this gender appropriation that Dr. Rachel Levine and the mainstream media and the left are engaging in. But make no mistake, we ought to outright reject it. This is what the left is. The left wants to control everything we do, everything you do. And this is an example of how they're doing it. They're twisting reality. They're elevating delusion. And the point of this is they want to make everything that you do and everything I do, they want to make it illegal. Wait until you hear what a judge ruled about an unvaccinated parent very recently. We're going to talk about that in just a second. I'm Liz Wheeler. Welcome to The Liz Wheeler Show.
So I'm, I'm a relatively new parent. I mean, it, it in one sense feels like my daughter was just born. She was born in January. In another sense, it feels like she's been part of our family forever. It's hard to imagine um, the time before I had her. And I, I've talked to other parents who've been parents a lot longer than I have. And apparently this is a very common feeling, feeling like it's been both forever and just a moment. But as a parent of a little girl, an eight-month, well, actually nine months, she'll be nine months very shortly, a nine-month-old baby, it is unfathomable to me to imagine being in scenarios that um, would cause the left to want to take my child away from me. And I know that sounds hyperbolic, but a judge recently made a ruling in the state of New York about a parent regarding the custody of their child based on the parent's vaccination status. You will, I mean, you will be as aghast as I am over this. This actively agitates me um, to hear about this happening to another parent. And we're gonna talk about that in just a second. But first, I wanna talk to you about Nutrivol. We all know that half the people who are watching the show right now are balding men. You know who you are. Yes, you. I'm talking to you. Now, there's a holistic solution for men that promotes both healthier hair and whole body wellness without drugs or prescriptions. You know me. I'm very crunchy. I like solutions like this. Nutrafol is clinically shown to improve hair growth, thickness, and visible scalp coverage without compromise. 21 potent natural ingredients support sex drive, better sleep, and less stress, too, in addition to the hair. In a clinical study, men showed progressive improvement in hair growth and thickness after three and six months. That's why Nutrafol is trusted and recommended by more than 1,500 top doctors. Basically, what I'm saying is you can grow thicker, healthier hair, and you can support our show, win-win, by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code LIZ to save $15 off your first month subscription. This is their best offer anywhere. It's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus... If you use my promo code, free shipping on every order. So get $15 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code Liz. It's worth it. It's pretty cool. I think you should do it. Nutrafol.com, promo code Liz. Okay, so a Manhattan justice, this is in the matrimonial court, a Manhattan justice by the name of Matthew Cooper recently ruled that a father of a three-year-old girl, the father of this little, uh, his little daughter, would be denied visitation rights. Now, this justice, by the way, just for a little backstory, he's presiding over a pretty messy divorce between the mother and the father. Obviously sad, obviously heartbreaking. And the father has just, he's just denied the father visitation rights to his three-year-old girl because, because, the sole reason is because the father has not been vaccinated against COVID-19. I'm not exaggerating here. This, this is the single reason, the sole reason that this father has been denied visitation of his three-year-old girl. So this is what Justice Matthew Cooper is his name. He says, here, in-person parental access by defendant is not in the child's best interest. Yeah, seeing her father is not in her best interest. And there are exceptional circumstances that support its suspensions. He goes on to say, the dangers of voluntarily remaining unvaccinated during access with a child while the COVID-19 virus remains a threat to children's health and safety cannot be understated. I think actually it can. I think that this is a gross exaggeration. This is obviously me talking now. That I mean, this is so wildly unscientific that this judge has the power to deny this father access to his baby girl based on the fact that he doesn't want to get the COVID-19 vaccine. That's one thing in and of itself. The second thing is the unscientific assertion that this child's health and safety is at risk if the father doesn't get vaccinated. We know what the risk to children is from COVID-19. We know that children are more likely to die from the flu if they contract the flu than they are to die from COVID-19 if they contract COVID-19, even the Delta variant. So this judge has the audacity, thinks he has the power to literally control this man's life 
to the point of denying him access to see his own baby girl if he doesn't get the COVID-19 vaccine. And he actually enumerates his own opinion. The justice, the judge goes on to say, unfortunately, and to my mind, incomprehensibly, a sizable minority seizing upon misinformation, conspiracy theories, and muddled notions of individual liberty have refused all entreaties to be vaccinated. So let's just get one thing clear here. The left is truly awful. This father, this is the real kicker. This is just gonna, this killed me when I read this. Absolutely killed me. This father already had COVID-19. He has natural immunity. According to the science, natural immunity is 27 times better than artificially induced immunity from a vaccine. 80 million people in this country have voluntarily declined the COVID-19 vaccine for reasons of their own. 80 million people. So what kind of precedent is this judge trying to set? that 80 million people are unfit to be parents, that 80 million people should live in fear of the government removing their children from their home because of their choice not to get the experimental COVID-19 vaccine that causes short-term side effects and we don't even know what kind of long-term side effects are caused. 80 million people in our country are now in the crosshairs because of a judge like this a judge who, by the way, he talks about misinformation, is peddling misinformation that has been handed through the mainstream media all the way from the highest points in our country, from Fauci and from Biden himself. This is what the left is doing, by the way. This is not an isolated incident. This is a very important point that I wanted to make that I thought when I was reading this. As you can tell, the story is absolutely outrageous. It causes me to feel agitation because I feel like those of us who have chosen not to get vaccinated are now doing something illegal. We're now at risk of losing our children should we happen to ever be in front of a court where a judge wants to take our children away from us to punish us for choices we've made about our personal health. What business is it of this judge in the first place to ask about the vaccination status of the parents? It's not their business at all. But this is what the left has been doing. The left has been trying to redefine the idea of child welfare for a number of years now. And it's been this concerted effort by the left has become very evident, not just in this case, but in other cases. They're trying to redefine what abuse is, what neglect is. I mean, previously, the idea of abuse and neglect is, are you harming the child physically, emotionally, or psychologically? Neglect has been defined. Are you clothing? Are you feeding this child? Are you leaving them alone? But the left, the left wants to expand this definition in order to remove children from any influence that is counter to the radical leftist ideology. And I'll, I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about because this is not just hypothetical. This is not just um, a, vague, a vague thing that I say that I notice. No, no. There's actually a professor at Harvard named Elizabeth Bartholet who's making a concerted effort to try to illegalize homeschooling. We talked about, we've talked about her before. We've talked about homeschooling before. But Elizabeth Bartholet is trying to evangelize the idea that homeschooling is abusive in and of itself. This is actually even separate from the left's very false argument that homeschooled children are more likely to be physically abused than public school children. That has been widely debunked. That is not true. But the argument that Elizabeth Bartholet is making is actually even different from that argument. She is actually wanting to define the very act of schooling your child at home as abusive. Why does she want to define it as abusive? 
She wants to define it as abusive because she says it deprives a child, this is a paraphrase, it deprives a child of a public school experience. So now it's abusive, according to this prominent leftist, to deprive your child of a public school experience. Now, why would that be? Well, it's not because homeschooled children aren't socialized properly. They are. They're actually socialized better than public school and private school children, according to the studies. It's not because they are academically deprived. Homeschooled children actually academically perform, outperform public school and private school children. No, no. It's not because homeschooled children end up on welfare when they're adults at a greater rate than public school or private school children. Actually, the opposite. It's not because they aren't contributing members of society. No, no. In fact, homeschooled children, by all of those standards, turn out better than public school and private school children. No, no, Elizabeth Bartholet wants to define homeschooling as abusive in and of itself because it deprives a child of a public school experience because she wants all children to go to public schools because that's how you indoctrinate children. So you see where this is going here. You see where I'm going, right? The left wants people like you and me to be in violation of the law all the time. They want us to live in fear of the government taking our children away because 80 million of us have chosen not to take the COVID-19 vaccine. They want who even knows how many children now with all of the exploding numbers of parents who are choosing to homeschool their children based on the COVID-19 fiascos that have been put into place by the teachers unions supported by Joe Biden this last year and a half. The left wants people to be in violation of the law all the time. Why? Because it's like blackmail. It's like the mafia. If you feel that you're in violation of the law all the time, then the left can wield power over your head because they can threaten you to basically drop, drop the hammer on you if you don't then cave to what they want you to do. So again, we see where this is going. If the left wants us to be in violation of the law or wants parents who don't get vaccinated to be in violation of the law just over custody of their children, they want parents to be in violation of this idea of abuse. They want essentially child protective services to be allowed to control homeschooling families. This is terrifying. I mean, think about this for a second. These are not isolated incidents. These are not radical fringe elements of the Democratic Party. This is becoming mainstream leftist ideology. Mainstream leftist ideology that the left wants to make it act, wants to actually codify into law. They want us to be in violation of the law all the time. And this, this is a fascinating. I was having this conversation actually with Jay Hay this past weekend, the great and powerful Jay Hay, this weekend, because it really is striking when you sit down and think about what it would be like if every bit of your existence you felt like was just skating past getting caught by police, right? If you felt like everything that you were doing was even a tiny infraction of the law, oh, maybe you won't get caught because they don't care about it. But what if you do? What if you are in violation of the law? What if it is unlawful for a parent to be unvaccinated? What if it is unlawful for a parent to homeschool? Then if they wanted to target you, they could. Again, it feels like blackmail because it is blackmail. It feels like the mafia wielding power over you, holding you hostage because that's exactly what it is like. This is what the left wants to happen. They want you and I to be illegal. They don't want tolerance. They don't want inclusion. They want us to be illegal because that's how they think they can control us. And in fact, again, none of this is hypothetical. We see this happening. We see this being enforced. Yes, 
in the legal aspect, in the case of that judge, of course, but we see this in the cultural sense too. And of course, you know that politics is downstream of culture. So sometimes this stuff happens in institutions in our culture before it's codified into law. That's exactly what's happening to those who are unvaccinated. Yes, this father was discriminated against because he is unvaccinated, but it's not just in matters of custody. It's in matters of healthcare as well. We're going to talk about that in just a second, but first I want to talk to you about disco. I would say... I would venture to say that it's pretty universal that if you are a man, you know that you should be using some sort of skincare products on your face, but you're never exactly sure what to use. If any of this rings a bell, then you should try the skincare line that my husband has been using recently. He's been raving about it. It's called Disco. Disco is a clean skincare brand based in Austin, Texas. All Disco products are created specifically for male skin issues like under bag eyes or under eye bags, dark circles, acne, razor burn, oily skin, dry skin, and wrinkles. Disco products are easy to use, effective, and affordable. They take the guesswork out of taking care of your skin. Um, they formulate their products right here in the USA, which we all love. So if you're looking to start a skincare routine for the first time, Disco Starter Set is a no-brainer. They have a face cleanser stick, an exfoliating face scrub, a hydrating face moisturizer. It tells you exactly what to do. There's no guesswork. So if you want to try out Disco, try their skincare products for yourself. We have a special offer for the Liz Wheeler Show audience. Go to letsdisco.com and enter Liz at checkout for 30% off your first order. That's letsdisco.com with Liz as a promo code, and you can get 30% off your first order. Thank you, Disco, for this offer. Uh, like I said, my husband has tried these products and has been raving about them, so I wanted to tell you about them as well. So very uh, unfortunately, this has happened in my home state of Ohio. Man, Ohio really is a mixed bag, isn't it? On one hand, they seem, you know, they stand up for pro-life issues. On the other hand, sometimes they do the nuttiest things. I guess that's why they're a swing state, especially Hamilton County, which is where I grew up. But up north in the Cleveland Clinic in Ohio, there is a horrifying story that has um, just happened. A man by the name of Michael Ganim, he's 52 years old, and he's dying from kidney failure right now. He's been on a kidney transplant list for several years, and he finally, finally got matched with a donor just this past year, on June 23rd, actually. A woman by the name of Sue George responded to a social media post, actually, saying, listen, I'll go through this testing. I'll donate a kidney for you. And you know that this is a long process. Anybody who's had a friend or a family member who's gone through an organ transplant, everything matched up. The testing came back good. Everything was good to go. And it looked like, it looked like by October that um, Michael would be able to get his kidney transplant which obviously, like I said, would be life-saving. The, the clinic was supposed to conduct the surgery on October 13th, but just before that, on Friday, October 8th, right before October 13th, and like I said, this is after more than a year of looking for a matching donor, five days before the surgery was supposed to take place, Cleveland Clinic suddenly canceled this surgery, and they canceled it in the name of their new safety protocol. Now, what is their safety protocol, you might ask? Well, Michael himself had already gotten vaccinated for COVID-19, but Sue George had not. Now, this was not something that was unknown until five days before the surgery. No, no, the, the team that conducted all of this testing and talked to Michael and Sue about this, they'd known that Sue was not vaccinated for months and months. Um, but suddenly, five days before the surgery, they canceled the surgery and they said it was because Sue was unvaccinated for COVID-19. Can you imagine this? This is literally a death sentence for Michael. A death sentence. Because Cleveland Clinic all of a sudden said that they're gonna require donors and recipients of organs to be vaccinated or else you're not allowed to get this medical treatment. Imagine if this happened with AIDS. Imagine if we started discriminating medical care 
to people with certain conditions. This is what's happening right now. Michael is not allowed to undergo this life-saving treatment because Sue is unvaccinated. Sue's not allowed to take part in this life-saving treatment, is how I should say it, because she's unvaccinated. This is a sentence of death for Michael. He's dying of kidney failure right now. And the Cleveland Clinic claims that this is about the safety of patients. They claim they're saving people's lives. What about Michael's life? This is the most atrocious thing I've ever heard. We are literally this close. We are on the cusp of unvaccinated people not even being allowed to get medical treatment or being denied treatment in hospitals where it's full because they are unvaccinated. Again, there's so many comparisons that can be made here. We could talk about, um, we could talk about behavior related to sex. What if you're a gay man and you contract AIDS and you contracted it because of your choice to engage in risky sexual behavior? Should you be denied care, healthcare because it's expensive, because it could be risky to others? Of course not. What if you're fat? What if you're obese? What if the obesity crisis in our nation is causing emergency rooms to be overcrowded? That's, maybe that's what's causing the shortage of ICU beds that we hear about all the time because that actually is what's causing the shortage of ICU beds. Should you be denied treatment because of your life choices, knowing that being obese, not taking care of your own body, not dieting properly, not exercising properly, causes you to be at high risk of heart attack and diabetes and blood pressure and COVID-19 fatality? Should you be denied healthcare because your choices made you at higher risk? No one would dare suggest that, nor should we. Yet that's what we're doing to people who have been unvaccinated for COVID-19. And now Michael's life is at risk because the Cleveland Clinic arbitrarily, five days before surgery, declared Sue to be ineligible, even though Michael was willing to take that risk. Now his life is at risk because the Cleveland Clinic thinks they know better. It's so awful. It's so truly awful. It's like when pharmacists across the country, we've heard pharmacists refuse to fill prescriptions for ivermectin for patients because the pharmacists don't think that the patients should be taking ivermectin. Now you might be thinking, well, is a pharmacist supposed to practice medicine? Is a pharmacist supposed to be the one that decides whether or not to fill a prescription? Or are they just there to fill the darn prescription? Well, Steve Dace over at The Blaze has um, actually crowdfunded. This is super interesting. This is super clever of Steve. I want to give him kudos for this. He's crowdfunded a lawsuit against Walmart because pharmacists at Walmart have been doing exactly what I just described. They've been refusing to fill ivermectin prescriptions for COVID-19 patients because they don't believe ivermectin works for COVID-19 patients, even though the doctor of the patient recommended ivermectin as a treatment. So Steve Dace is saying, well, this is illegally practicing medicine when you're a pharmacist and you're not allowed to practice medicine. And um, so they're filing a lawsuit. And I'm so interested to see where this goes, to see if pharmacists actually have the say over whether you're allowed to fill a prescription for medicine that your doctor prescribes you. The point of all this, though, and this is, I think, gets lost in the shuffle, gets lost in the outrage, and this is a very important point that I want to make. This, what I'm talking about, this is government-run healthcare. When you have layers of bureaucracy that are making the decision about your healthcare for you, instead of yourself, instead of a doctor, this is, this is what happens in government-run healthcare systems. This is what happens in single-payer systems, in socialized healthcare systems, in these free healthcare systems. 
Medicare for all, for example. This is government-run healthcare. This is just one example of it. We've been very fortunate here in the United States that we haven't faced this the way that people in Canada have, the way that people in the UK have. But this is government-run healthcare, and this is why we shouldn't want this, why we should reject this, regardless of whether you think our healthcare system needs to be reformed. And by the way, I really do think it needs to be reformed because we also don't want insurance companies making decisions about our healthcare. We want to be the ones to make decisions about our healthcare. So yes, our healthcare system needs to be reformed, but giving simply taking the power away from insurance companies and giving that power to either elected officials who get drunk with power or unelected bureaucrats who are unaccountable to us, the voters, that's like jumping out of the frying pan and into the fire. It's the stupidest idea I have ever heard. And if we don't watch out, this government-run healthcare is coming at us. In fact, the Biden administration is trying this very sneaky move to give us government-run healthcare, to impose government-run healthcare on us right here in the United States. And for some reason, even the media is not talking about this sleight of hand from the Biden administration. And I have my thoughts on why exactly the media isn't covering this. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But first, I want to talk to you about ExpressVPN. So we all know how a VPN protects your privacy and your security online, right? But I recently learned that you can use a VPN to unlock movies and shows that uh, ostensibly are only available in other countries. It's actually really simple. This is how it works. You just fire up your ExpressVPN app. You change your location to, say, the UK, although you can do it for any country. Refresh your streaming service, Netflix or Hulu or whatever you're using, and that's all there is to it. See, ExpressVPN hides your IP address and lets you control where you want websites to think that you are located. So you can choose from almost 100 different countries. Think about all the Netflix libraries that that is. Um, it's not just Netflix, by the way. ExpressVPN works with any streaming service, Hulu, BBC, iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. There are hundreds of VPNs out there, but ExpressVPN, in my opinion, is the best because it's ridiculously fast. I have no patience for buffering and lag, and fortunately, ExpressVPN has none of that. You can stream in HD, no problem. It's compatible with all your devices. If you visit my special link right now, expressvpn.com slash Liz, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. So support the show, watch what you want, protect yourself and your family online at expressvpn.com slash Liz. Okay, so my theory about why even the Democrats aren't really talking about this, let alone the mainstream media, why they aren't talking about the fact that the Biden administration is trying to sneak single-payer health care past you. My theory for why no one is covering this is because the Democrats and the mainstream media actually don't want you to know about it because they know that you don't want it. They know that we don't want it. And so they think, well, if we just stay quiet about this, if we refuse to put any headlines out about this, then the people won't know and we'll be able to push this through before they know, and by the time they find out, it'll be too late for them to push back. That's my theory about why even the mainstream media is not talking about this. And this is different, by the way. You'll remember during the Democratic primaries, um, when all of these candidates were constantly talking about health care. You know, we were talking about Bernie Sanders' Medicare for All. We were talking about Kamala going back and forth about prohibiting private health insurance. We were talking about a single payer that was an expansion of Obamacare. This was a major topic um, on the Democrat primary debate stage. But now... Now that there's legislation, active legislation that would push this through, nobody wants to talk about it. No Democrats want to brag about this. They don't want to sell this to the American people. Why? Why don't you? Because they know we don't want this. So here's exactly what I'm talking about. This is actually in Biden's Build Back Better plan. It's amazing, isn't it? That every time you hear about Build Back Better, you don't hear about this. You do not hear about this. But here it is. It's in, it's in the actual plan. So it basically provides 
a ladder in this in the Build Back Better plan. It provides a ladder with every rung except the very last rung. So the way that they're trying to sneak it past us is it's not exactly Medicare for all. It's like Medicare for a. Uh. All they're going to have to do is add those additional two L's after this legislation is passed, and voila, they'll have Medicare for all. So here's 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 how it works. And the Heritage Foundation did an extremely comprehensive overview of exactly how this will turn into single-payer healthcare. Um, and this is what they say. They say the proposal focuses on reinforcing and expanding the Affordable Care Act footprint by removing the income limitations on subsidies, making the existing ACA subsidy, subsidies more generous and creating a new federal Medicaid-like option. So basically how they do this, um, how they do this is they're going to target states that have chosen not to adopt Obamacare's Medicaid expansion. So basically red states. Red states have said, nope, we don't want to um, increase the number of people on Medicaid. We don't want to pay for that. We don't want to essentially make Medicaid a government-run healthcare system that everyone can be on. And so red states have said no. So what Biden's plan does, the Build Back Better plan does, is it creates a federal program for those people residing in the red states um, the red states that have chosen not to adopt Obama's Medicaid, ex Obamacare's Medicaid expansion. So because the states have said no, the federal Democrats are saying, okay, well, we're going to override that with a federal plan to cover all those people. So what is that? Well, it's on our way to having a, a federal option, this, this public option, right? So that, that's the first phase. And then Heritage goes, the next phase would be to gradually open access to the government option. The legislation already anticipates expansion. It includes language to realign federal payments to allow states that expanded Medicaid under Obamacare to enroll those individuals in the government option. Oh, okay. So first they're going to create a public option in states that didn't expand Medicaid, and then they're going to expand that public option to states that did expand Medicaid. So what is this? This is just a old-fashioned public option. This is just this old socialist public option right here. So it's also going to expand the number of people who are eligible for subsidies. Subsidies means essentially a public option as it is. They're going to increase the number of people um, who would qualify for that. And we know what happens, right? We know what happens when the government promises free health care. What happens? That increases demand for health care because when it's free, people don't discern whether they can afford to pay for it. And I'm talking about excess. I'm not talking about just um, absolute necessity medical care. I'm talking about, well, if you have a problem, could it be handled? If you have a health problem, could it be handled simply by diet and exercise, by losing weight? Is it obesity-induced? Because if so, you can do that on your own. You don't have to um, have actual medical care for it, maybe. Obviously, this is a hypothetical example. But if you're given free health care, if you're given free medical care, then you're obviously going to take that instead of taking responsibility for it yourself. And so then what happens is demand increases. When demand increases, you have to say, well, where are you going to get the money to pay for that increased demand? And so we cascade into a public option because then taxes are raised um, on a lot of different people. More money is going into the public option. It's expanding even more. And it's a terrible, toxic cycle until all of a sudden we're in a public option that is rationing access to the care that they promised would be for free. This is inside the Build Back Better plan. This is inside Biden's plan. And what happens when we have this public option? What happens? They start discriminating against people because they have to ration access. And so their justification for the rationing, well, if you're not vaccinated, maybe you don't deserve the same health care. Maybe you're the reason that the ICUs are overflowing. Maybe you're the cause 
of the epidemic. Maybe you shouldn't be rewarded, but rather should be punished for your behavior since we have to decide who deserves healthcare anyway because we don't have the money to pay for it. Terrifying, isn't it? Terrifying. And it leeches out into every aspect of our lives, just like the guy at the beginning that we were talking about, the father who's been denied visitation with his three-year-old daughter because he's unvaccinated. It leeches out. They want us to be illegal. They want conservatives to be illegal. And this is all part of how they do it because it's not, neutral, it's not a neutral arbiter of healthcare. No, no. They've already proved that they will use your choices, your life choices against you. If they possibly can hold your rights or your privileges, your healthcare, anything hostage, they will use it against you. Again, this isn't hypothetical. The vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris, she was previously the attorney general of California. This is before her days in the Senate, before her days as vice president. When Kamala Harris was in the Senate, she or was in was the attorney general of California. She raided the apartment of David Delyden, my friend David Delyden. He's one of the best pro-life activists our nation has ever known. He has risked his life. He has risked his freedom. He has risked everything to expose the lawbreaking activity that happens in Planned Parenthood, the lawbreaking activity that uses the body parts of aborted babies as a commodity, that sells the body parts of aborted babies. And the laws that are being broken is Planned Parenthood is adjusting the abortion procedure in order to get body parts that are undamaged from the abortion in order to sell them to body part brokers. It's disgusting. We've all seen the videos. Well, when Kamala Harris was attorney general of California, she raided David Delyden's apartment. He's the investigative journalist, by the way. He's not the one that committed the crime. He was reporting on a crime, but Kamala Harris, tied to Planned Parenthood, raided David Delyden's apartment. And what did she do? Well, Delyden's attorneys have now made the allegation that one of Harris's appointees, this would be the deputy attorney general, Jeanette Jaron, um, admitted that, of course, she abused the powers of her uh, of her office by giving the National Abortion Federation the footage, the material that was seized during the raid in Delyden's apartment. So Kamala Harris used the power of the government to raid the apartment of an investigative journalism journalist, and then she gave the laptop that she stole from him to the National Abortion Federation. And of course. How does this tie into healthcare? Because the left claims abortion is healthcare. They claim these abortion businesses are healthcare entities. Imagine, Kamala Harris is now the second in the chain of command in our country. She's the vice president of the United States of America. This is how she operates. Imagine if we allowed a government-run healthcare system to happen in our nation. Imagine if Kamala Harris were the second in charge of this. Imagine how she would use the power of holding your healthcare hostage in order not only to fund her abortion agenda, but to deprive people, political opponents of hers, the care that they were promised would be for free under this uh, government-run healthcare system. It's really abysmal to think about. It's really horrible to think about. And by the way, this is why the mainstream media, this is why the Democrats don't want to tell you this little nugget that's hidden in the Build Back Better plan. They don't want us to know about it because they know Democrat, Republican, pro-abortion, pro-life, people don't want a government-run healthcare system because we know how that ends. It ends with rationing. It ends with people being deprived of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness based on their political choices. 
This is happening, by the way, in Seattle. It's not just healthcare, it's people's jobs. This is perhaps the most chilling video that I have seen. I watched this probably a hundred times, not a hundred, that's an exaggeration. I watched this probably four or five times on my laptop um, when I first saw this. The Seattle City Hall, the steps to City Hall were taken over by firefighters and police officers who formed this silent protest. They marched, it's, I mean, I'm getting the chills just describing it to you, and I want to show this to you. They were turning in their boots at City Hall because they've lost their jobs because of the vaccine mandates. Take a, take a look at this and tell me that you didn't get goosebumps on your arm watching this. Watch. thing about this is that people's lives and their safety are now going to be at risk because the Seattle Fire Department and the police department are going to be understaffed because of this vaccine mandate. And what's worse, Seattle itself is very liberal, yes, but the surrounding areas are actually conservative, are actually conservative. But because of this concentrated power in Seattle, the people who live around, who live around Seattle in these red areas are going to be hurt by this. So again, when these bureaucrats, these liberal bureaucrats are in charge of things, they will use your politics against you. And it's truly awful to see. I, I just want to extend, by the way, a sincere thank you to these firefighters and police officers who have done the right thing. They have served their community. They have kept their community safe, protected us, and have been punished for it. I have no more respect than I can possibly express than for people who are willing to, to give up important things in the name of of protecting their own rights and protecting freedom. And that's what these people are doing. They are marching up those steps, giving up their jobs because they know that their liberty is being violated. And if they aren't the ones that are going to stand up to this, then who is? So thank you. Thank you not only for serving the community of Seattle, but thank you for standing up for our freedom, our freedom and our right to make these decisions about our own life. I sincerely appreciate it. Okay, on a lighter note, did you guys see on Wall Street, uh, sitting opposed now to the charging bull, there's a giant bronze statue of Harambe, that gorilla from the Cincinnati Zoo that was shot when that mother let her child go into the gorilla enclosure? Well, you can see it on the screen. It's quite funny. So I always, I, I feel some sort of camaraderie with Harambe because Harambe was from the Cincinnati Zoo. I grew up in Cincinnati. I think I saw him about a billion times when I visited the zoo as a child. Um, plus the memes of Harambe never get old. So I would just like to officially lodge a complaint um, with whoever put the statue up because the purpose of this statue, according to those that put it in place, is to say that Wall Street has gone bananas. There's like 10,000 bananas underneath the charging bowl or something that's, I don't know, dumb. Please don't ruin Harambe. Please don't ruin Harambe for those of us who love Harambe, who want to memorialize Harambe forevermore with hilarious memes. Don't make Harambe some kind of symbol of wealth disparity or whatever it is, whatever liberal thing that you're talking about right now. Harambe is a national treasure, a national treasure. I don't know what it is with liberals liking to put um, these, these statues of things aside the charging bowl to make their point. Do you remember back in 2017, there was that fearless girl, that little girl that was standing there like this. She was supposed to be there for International Women's Day to, to protest the lack of representation of women on Wall Street. Well, here's what I will say to that. 
it's funny that these activists want women to be represented more on Wall Street, but they say nothing when Dr. Rachel Levine gets lauded for achieving the status of the first female four-star general in the U.S. Health Service Commission Corps, or whatever it's called. These people are ridiculous. Please don't take Harambe away from us. Please don't. I will never allow that. All right, on that note, um, I'm out of time for today. We have a lot to talk about tomorrow. Until then, think for yourself, use critical thought, question authority, follow the facts, and don't let government or corporate wokeism or cultural Marxism or anybody bully you into being a sheep. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Write us a review. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla. Assistant editor, Michael Wall. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson. Post-production manager, Victoria Metzel. Director of marketing, Emily Washler. Production and talent coordinator, Matt Toffler. And senior publicist, Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront production.